You know what's flashy? Drama, fighting, news articles, and catchy headlines. Something that will bring much less attention? Being the one who wants to bring peace. The Prince of Peace calls on us to be bringers of peace, and that means doing the unpopular. We're going to take a look at what this looks like this week on The Pilgrim Song. Welcome to The Pilgrim Song, episode 29. I'm Alexander. And I'm Charlie. And we're your favorite interracial friends here to talk to you about Jesus. Thank you all for the support. We are so excited. And if you haven't, well, you don't know, but we do know. This is our, we've had 500 listens. So thank you guys. Real MVPs out there. We're so thankful for that. Um, and it's not too bad for just two guys in a microphone and in a weird office. So <laughs> good to be back here with my buddy, Charlie. And here we're going to talk about a subject that's pretty controversial, I guess. Yeah. It's a little countercultural. Yeah, it will. Yeah, very That's kind of how it That's is. all of our subjects. That's true. And that's how Jesus rolls, though. Hey. So, uh, this week, uh, one of our sermons on Sunday was really, really good because we talked about anger. And not just like, you know, anger is bad and sinful, but also this how anger destroys kind of everything in its path. And that was a really impactful lesson for me. It was just this, this reminder that. Um, holding on to anger and the type of brutality that it can bring. Um, so I'd really encourage you to go listen to it at Northwood's website if you have the opportunity. Um, this week, we want to kind of cover the opposite of what this looks like. So what is the opposite of anger but peace? And we're going to be talking about the benefits and blessings of being a peacemaker, but also why that could be seen as controversial. So <clears throat> to start off our podcast today, Charlie... Do you think our world is more driven to drama? Why or why not? Oh, for sure, man. Who doesn't love a good drama? Like, <clears throat> yeah, people love drama. I mean, I, I'm gonna be like, I love drama. Sometimes <laughs> there are days in my life when I when I enjoy it. Right? It's what gets people to, you know, gossip about stuff. Like, you know, you get to find out interesting things about people. People trashing other people. Like, that's fun, man. <laughs> it's terrible. But no, yeah, I think I think everybody loves drama. I think you see that if you just look at like television and like the shows that usually do like the best or like the dramas. Um, so yeah, no, I think that's I think for sure we're definitely as a society, as a society overall, like individual people. I think everyone just or most everyone just really enjoys drama for sure. Uh, naturally, I think that this is reflected in, as you were mentioning, TV and the things that entertain us. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I did a little bit of research. I only watched, I think, one one season of The Bachelorette. But when I looked at the combined of <coughs> The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which is not a quality TV show. There's no positive <laughs> character development. There's no positive characters, if I'm being flat out honest with you. And... Um, there are 42 combined seasons of this show. People keep watching this because they love the drama and they keep tweeting about it and they keep talking about it and they turn <laughs> against each other based upon the things that are happening in this ridiculous show. Um, I, I live or we live in what I like to call clapback culture where 
what you want to do is you want to make your voice heard. So when someone responds to something, like the default reaction is I'm going to make as big of a deal about this as possible in order to make myself look bigger, more important, cooler than you, whatever else. So everything is to make yourself loud. And headlines are supposed to be yanking the most negative view of somebody out. Everything that promotes outrage, that is what is driven. And it's heartbreaking in a lot of ways because you see how easily that turns people against each other, even those who count themselves of the body of Christ. So that's been heartbreaking for me to look at out and see. And I think we should be encouraging unity. Well, I know we should be encouraging unity and peace. So to start off this podcast, we also want to read uh, Jesus's words at the on the Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes. So over in Matthew chapter five, we have his the opening to the the Sermon on the Mount. And while I think some people consider, I think even for a while I consider this to be like, oh, you know, these are kind of <coughs> the easier parts of the Sermon on the Mount. These are difficult. The Beatitudes mm-hmm. are difficult, and we're going to be zooming in on one in particular. This morning. So he says, uh, starting in verse 2, Matthew 5, verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, putting you a little bit on the spot here, Charlie. Of those reading through them, which one do you find most difficult? Hmm. <clears throat> honestly probably the one that we're talking about today peacemaking yeah. okay um you know yeah sometimes i struggle with that i mean if i'm being real like every single one of them is probably like a bit of a struggle mm-hmm. um but you know like you said like it's i think sometimes we can think of it as like oh it's the easy section of yeah. it or whatever but like if you just take a look around you and take a look at your own life and the way that you live like odds are you're going to realize that, oh, I'm actually not doing a lot of these things if I take them for what they really are. Mm-hmm. Because like, like I said before, like what we're talking about is countercultural. Every single one of those things was, was a revolutionary thing that Jesus was saying, like this completely opposite to the way society wants to do things mm-hmm. is what, this is how you're going to live. Yeah. It just shows so, the upside down nature of the kingdom of God. And that's what like, even the one that I would say is hungering and thirsting for righteousness because mm-hmm. I don't know how much I crave that as yeah. that as much as I want it. That even filters into peacemaking because yeah. I would much rather there be drama and just let things go the way they are instead yeah. of hungering. I would so. say either peacemaking or meekness probably for yeah, me. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> not a very meek person. He's a cool guy, girl. <laughs> so, I need to be. <laughs> uh, the Beatitudes, again, as we mentioned, they're controversial. They are completely flipping the world the way that we see it and the way that it operates on its head. Um, And the one that we're talking about this morning, as Charlie mentioned, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. That is really controversial because we can go into more extreme examples. Sure. Okay. Maybe not everything is the bachelor, 
But there are situations where someone genuinely harms you or harms your family and then making peace with that person, like that's unacceptable, right? They, they deserve justice and all that type of stuff. And being a peacemaker doesn't mean that you don't strive for justice either, but it does mean that you are going to be seek peace with all people. Um, <clears throat> so this, uh, Jesus tells us that blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. And one of the things that we can note about Jesus is he does not shy away from calling people children of the devil, which he does in John eight. So there is going to be this difference between those who are sons of God and those who serve the devil. And it is peace. Um, that's going to be one of those big aspects. So those children of the devil will seek war and they seek chaos and they seek destruction. And it's not even like this incredible national breakdown. They just want to break every nation down, but it's rather this in your interpersonal relationships and in your community, are you striving to make peace or are you just trying to keep stirring the pot and trying to make um, enemies out? There's, there's plenty of ways that we do this in our personal lives. It's as little as gossip, as big as, you know, um, just creating a ton more drama. So when we see what Jesus has done is he calls his followers to be peacemakers, calling them to be the sons of God. And that's a marvelous thing to be. Because in Genesis 1, we see that everyone is made in the image of God. But to be a child of God means that you are trying to become more like him, that you're trying to imitate him. Um, more and more every day, I see my dad, myself becoming more like my dad because he's a good example. But also, that's just kind of the natural th way things go is you start following after your parents and how they act. So if you want to be a child of the devil, well, then you keep acting how the devil acts, full of deceit, injustice, injustice, unkindness. But if you are going to fall in the paths of God, paths of righteousness, that means you are seeking peace and love and mercy. So being made in his image means that you are loved and you have dignity and you deserve respect. But if you don't act in the way that he's instructed, you're not his child. You aren't actually a part of his family. So you don't have the same relationship with him. So I think that's really important for us to, you know, to address because it's not saying that just because you aren't saved at this point, if you have not been saved, that does not mean that you aren't cared for by God, but you don't have the same type of relationship with him that the people who are in him do. But if you have been saved and you are in the faith, don't just automatically think that this is in the, you're in the club, right? So you can be baptized. Cool. But are you a toxic person? Are you spreading toxicity, whether it be on social media or not? Do you enjoy drama? Do you enjoy spreading gossip? Do you enjoy being the type of person who divides people? We have plenty of people who already do that. Politics already does that. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I can, I, you could go on forever talking about that. But when you're posting about politics or COVID or whatever else, what is your intention in doing it? This is one of the things I've had to be really focused about, particularly with gossip recently, because mm -hmm. when I talk about people, is my intention to be like, look at this person who I really love and care about, or look how dumb they are and they need to learn. And that's really, <laughs> it's changed my focus a lot. So do you do this with the intention of being a peacemaker? Whatever you say, whatever you do. 
Is it because you are trying to show mercy? Is it because you're being empathetic to someone else's point of view? And I can't say, like, we can't say exactly how you are saying things or what you're reposting or whatever else. Have you done anything to make it seem harder that you are doing something regarding striving for peace? Are your posts specifically so one-sided that you believe there's only one way to handle the situation? Or do you lack any nuance at all? Um, because that's not how peacemaking goes. There's got to be a middle ground. And considering this isn't just me, some random guy in a microphone telling you to do this. This is what Jesus calls us to be. Um, this is a directive from us. So how are we supposed to be living? And again, I, we're saying it. But we could call the Pilgrim song the hypocrite song because we struggle with this as well. For sure. um, is there any other things that you want to yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, it's like, <clears throat> like you said, like it may not be something that you necessarily realize that you're doing. Um, but just, you know, if you are someone that has like, I know you talk a lot about social media and it's not just social media, right? It can be the things that you just say within a small group of people. I just take a step, step back from a second and, and look at the things that you say um, the side that you take on a lot of issues, what you post, um, and just ask yourself, right? If I was of the opposite opinion and I read that, or I heard that, would that stir me up to like anger? Would that, you know, make me want to like go and like fight somebody or would that make me like, you know, maybe think, you know, think about something. I don't know. What kind of reaction do you think that you're trying to induce in someone that's reading that? Um, if you're doing it, you know, with the intent of like, oh, I'm trying to stir something up or make somebody angry, right? Cause somebody made me angry. Then I would say that you're not being a peacemaker and maybe you should rethink the way that you're doing it. Um, but yeah, you may not realize it. Um, I don't think, I don't think any of us, hopefully none of us intentionally try to go out <laughs> and stir up strife between people. Um, if that's the case, then, you know, um, should reevaluate your life. <laughs> but, um, you know, maybe it's something that you don't realize that you're doing, but maybe you are. So, yeah. So it's not an easy thing to do, but the last sure. thing that Jesus asked us to do was to take the easy route. So he's going to push us. And this is a place that we really need to be growing yeah. in a culture that is emphasis, emphasizing division. So. Yeah. And that's one of the ways that we stand out. I mean, mm. it's like one of the ways that we should, we should be separate and different and people can notice that kind of thing. It's like, oh, wait a second. You're not like, uh, like uh, our preacher was talking about in his lesson on Sunday, right? He had a friend that noticed like the way his family like acted and how they worked with one another, how there wasn't like strife between them. Mm -hmm. And the guy, I think like asked Seth, he was like, well, maybe that's, is it like your religion? He's like, <laughs> is that why your family is so like peaceful and you guys handle issues like so well? Um, but that's just cause I think they're living like what Jesus said, right? Yeah. They're being peacemakers, right? Not just out in society, but like within their home as a family. Yeah. Um, and so people notice that kind of thing. Like, oh, you're not somebody like stirring up drama or like, you know, <laughs> You know, it's so different. Ju just as they notice the positive, they're going to notice the negative. So if we act like everyone else, they're going to notice that too. For sure. Yeah. So as we come back, we're going to go over to Second Corinthians to talk about a really cool passage that Paul talks about. So we'll be right back.
So what does true restoration look like? What Restoration comes along with peacemaking. So how does that come about? How can that be achieved? Um, first of all, it goes to us understanding who Jesus is. Jesus being the Prince of Peace and the fact that he has restored us and has reconciled us to the Father. So once we are restored to the Father, what does that mean for every other relationship in our lives? So over in 2 Corinthians 5, this passage is super underrated from my opinion. And we see what we have been assigned to, this ministry of reconciliation. So it says in 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is known also to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you a cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ control us, be, controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who has died for their sake, or for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, there's a lot of power in these couple of verses here. Um, first of all, he mentions that he, he is willing, like in verse 13, he talks about how he is willing to be foolish for the behalf of God. And that's something I, I've struggled with. Because I always try to find this the most rational, logical way to get around or to talk about the Bible. And I believe that there is rational, logical ways to think about how scripture is. But parts of it are foolish. Mm. I, I have staked my life in the belief that a guy died and rose from the dead. That's going to be crazy. So I have to start learning to accept those things and being like, yeah, that's the way it is. I do believe that a donkey talked to a guy. Like... <laughs> I do believe a guy got eaten by a fish and then spat out three days later. It's just the way it is. So I I have to be willing to be like, yeah, some of the ways that God operates, I don't understand. And I'm willing to say, cool, I, I don't know how he works entirely, but I do believe he does work in this way. Um, so he's willing to be a fool for the sake of the gospel. And the message of the gospel is that Jesus died for all people, rose from the dead. And through that blood, we can be reconciled to the Father. And again, that's something I don't know how it works, but I believe it does. Right. And that's what's, that's what's made me right. Yeah. And with Paul, like, especially because like, not only, you know, was he raised like as a very like devout Jew and, and would have sat on the Sanhedrin council eventually someday, super, super knowledgeable. So when he became a Christian, 
all of those people would have thought that he was foolish. Mm-hmm. But then, so like he, he, like all of his Jewish friends that he would have had growing up, like he, he wasn't in the church. So he didn't really know any other Christians. The ones that he didn't know are the ones that he were, he was killing. Um, and so like all of his friends would have been like, wow, you're like so dumb. Why are you, what are you doing? But then he, he's the one that is sent into the world, like into all the Gentiles who would have been like even more so thought that he was crazy, had even less friends in that sense. So like, you know, he had no one to come back to that supported him because all of his friends growing up would have thought he was a fool. And then he was sent out into the world where he was not surrounded by Christians at all, very completely different people than even Jews. They don't even know who God is or think he's just some crazy guy. So like Paul's like double the amount of blood. Oh yeah. I didn't even like, you don't even consider how crazy that would have been yeah. to like, I mean to the Jews obviously, but then to the Gentiles, it's like here's this Jew going out and telling us to worship, not I don't know. worship the one God. Yeah. <laughs> So Paul was willing to be crazy and we have to, you know, not like crazy, crazy, but we have to be willing to, you know, we believe things that don't make a lot of sense if you're looking at it from a purely naturalistic basis. So we have to be willing to go and put it out there. What this means for us is that once we have accepted this message of the gospel, once we believe in who Jesus is, once we've been baptized, we go through this process, then it means that we are not living for ourselves anymore. That's one of the hardest parts of Christian faith to me Mm -hmm. is because Alexander's still in there. He really wants to fight it out. He really wants to react in unkind ways when people say stuff. He wants to act in a specific way, but we are reminded that our lives are not ours anymore. And so Paul's life didn't belong to Paul anymore. Our lives are not supposed to belong to ourselves. So it's not about fighting back. It's not about doing whatever I can to make myself look the most intelligent in every situation. They are supposed to be focused on peace. Because we have been reconciled to the Father and we did not deserve that. So, through reconciliation, we're supposed to be also doing the same thing for the rest of the world. Um, He mentions calling, he calls us ambassadors. uh, Ambassadors of this message. Do you have any any thoughts when you think of ambassador, what that means? Yeah, it's just, it's somebody who's kind of like a, not really a go-between, but it's like the person that takes, you know, whatever your belief is that you have and like takes it to people who don't have that to kind of like spread that. Yeah. Right. They're in charge of the message, whatever that mm. is. My my default ambassador I think of is Nikki Haley. Now, I'm not 100% on Nikki Haley's politics, like I'm not, not, not all the way there with her. But I really appreciated the way that she would go in and she shows a lot of decorum. She's very, um, when she's handling diplomatic things, she's very like kind of mellow and all that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need an ambassador to be is that you need them to be strong on specific issues where we're going to hold on to. But at the same time, she can't be crazy dogmatic or there's going to be a lot of problems. So Nikki Haley was this great ambassador for the United States ambassadors if we send over somebody who acts like a fool over states over overseas to represent the united states that's the last thing we want because our interpretation of the united states we don't want us to seem foolish or overly dogmatic or all these other problems we want somebody who's going to truly represent who we are so when we're called ambassadors imagine how god (laughs) feels when those who claim to be christians first if we become overly dogmatic about politics or we become overly dogmatic about things that just do not matter. 
Because that's going to be the interpretation people have of those who are Christians. Yeah, they become an ambassador of a political party versus an ambassador of the Bible, of God's word. The message is so much more important. The message we the the message of the gospel is so much so far beyond these things that we have. Um, so, the message we carry is supposed to be this powerful. And when we start thinking about it on terms of how we can, if people have been more convinced about the way we view something politically, instead of being convinced that Jesus is Lord, we have failed at our job as ambassadors. Hmm. We have failed as our job as peacemakers. The only way that peace is brought as we see through this passage, whether that be be between genders, whether that be between races or political systems, all these differences, it is only found in Jesus. Because the world has tried over and over again to try to make peace. I, I found it, I find it so humorous. We had, we wrote this, um, this thing and I think it was Roosevelt's um, wife who headlined this thing about human rights. And we have this, this outline for human rights. And there were countries across the world who refused to accept that humans have rights. In addition, we have peacemaking organizations that we have set up in this world. And what do what is one of the first things that our the United Nations did but wage war in Korea? Like you can't make it up that even our peacemaking efforts are driven drive us towards the same type of things that got us to the same the place in the first place. So, what we have to consider is that there is a better way. And the better way is in our little sphere of influence where we can, is we become peacemakers here. And that's going to make a huge difference over the course of the rest of the world. That once people understand their condition before God, and they repent and they turn to him, that's going to change so many more lives than being dogmatic about anything else. Hmm. So the only heart change can be brought by the gospel. That must be reinforced. And that must be lived out by us. Right. Yeah, it's interesting people get, you mentioned the UN specifically, and people get so mad about the UN, like, not doing enough, or, like, not waging war against, like, certain countries, but, like, their literal job was to maintain peace, mm -hmm. not to create strife and more problems. problems. <laughs> so, oh, so, it just shows the, the flaws in an America, or uh, in a human organization Absolutely. to set up peace versus one that God has established. Yeah. So, you, you can't make it up. So... We can look at it in all the bad examples of how the world puts out, but we need to be looking in this, this podcast is primarily inward focused is how have I failed to be a peacemaker? What do I need to do to be a good ambassador for Christ from this point on? Right. So, and God's not asking us to go and like establish world peace, yeah. right? Like, like you said, it's our sphere of influence, mm -hmm. right? What we do every day and the people that we're around, we make peace around those people and we show off who we are amongst those people right mm -hmm. not to go try to run for election somewhere and try to make peace like on this massive stage right but just it's just to do it every day yeah. with your friends the people that you know and the people that you have influence over the message of the gospel is spread person to person and that's still the way that it's most effectively spread is just from right. people who care about people and are like hey here's how i know my lord right. and here's what the lord has brought me so until we start really Focusing on that, we're not going to be the type of peacemakers that we mm -hmm. ought to be. You have any other thoughts on this passage? Or no, mm -hmm. 
So if you haven't read Second Corinthians, particularly chapter five, highly recommend it. It's become one of my favorites. Very underrated. But as is our tradition, as we head into our third part, we want to talk about some application. So we'll be talking about that when we come back. So how can we be actively peacemakers in our lives? Perhaps that's the question you've been asking as we go through this podcast, and that's a good question. How can we be more active at this? So we have five things here that I think would be really helpful, and um, so maybe they'll be helpful for you and something you can talk about this week or work on this week. My number one, I think, is to avoid extremes on any position. Because you shouldn't be an extremist on any position except the gospel. Like, there is one way to the Father, and that is through His Son. So that that can't be. That's non-negotiable. Um, but when we talk about worldly things, particularly among Christians, we're going to have different opinions. Like that's just the way that people mm-hmm. are. Different life circumstances, different parentages, all this type of stuff factors into how we see the world, how we think the political system needs to operate. All these types of things. So we need to avoid extremes on any position because a lot of times what happens when we become an extremist is we stop seeing people on the other side as people and we see them as opposition. And the second we do that, um, we're no longer going to be the type of people we need to be as Christians. So I'd encourage that. And I think (laughs) even like within the gospel too, I think that's important as well. Like you mentioned, like except for the gospel, but even like within the church, right? There are things that we're going to do and that we're going to believe and that we're going to interpret that's just going to be wrong, mm. right? There may be something that, you know, we think is true that maybe we've misunderstood or misinterpreted. And so if we become so extreme in our ways, like within the gospel and our beliefs within the gospel, and we're completely unwilling to, you know, maybe listen to someone else's opinion on something, maybe reevaluate that, right? We can become very pharisaical mm. in that. And that's the other thing that we want to avoid, too, is like even within the church and within our own Christian beliefs is that we don't want to become an extremist within that as well and become so set in our ways that we're not even open to the idea that, hey, maybe we're misinterpreting a certain scripture mm-hmm. or the way that we do something in service, you know, something like that. Right? For sure. That's you just, obviously don't want to compromise on the word. Yeah, for sure. But, you know, it just takes more study and yeah. maybe more, with more study, you're going to see things differently. So and you should have conversations with people. And always be willing to listen to what someone else has to say. For so. sure. Speaking of listening, Yo, that's our next point. Man, now so, your transition game. Oh, there it yeah, is. boy. All right. So, <laughs> man, what is that? Um, so, in Hamilton, we have... I don't know if you've seen Hamilton. Probably not. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, there's Aaron Burr encourages Alexander Hamilton Burr, to talk less and smile more. Our advice is just to listen more and talk less. Because 
number one, practically, the Lord gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Yeah. So we talk a lot more than we should in most ways. My and mama used to say. <laughs> I agree with your mom. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and this is, this is easy for me to say as a podcaster slash preacher. I talk all the time. This is literally my job. Um, I enjoy, I enjoy talking, um, and making my positions known and all that type of stuff. But, um, one of the things I need, I've learned I needed to work on is listening to where other things go on because even in a relationship, in a long term working towards marriage relationship, I've learned that I don't listen as, as well as I need to. When I hear other people's struggles, there's been times where I just have not listened the way that I needed to. And it means that I need to be a much more active listener and care about what people are actually going through. So I think from my personal perspective, what I've seen is a lot of society issues um, would be solved if we would listen to each other better. Yep. I've, I've been through countless Facebook threads where I see people arguing the same point <laughs> towards each other. And they just aren't stopping to be like, oh, we're making the same point. We shouldn't be so dogmatic right. about this. So listen more that yeah way. and that's one of the dangers like with social media in general is like i mean it's been it's been shown like the way social media works and your feed and stuff like that works is that you know whenever you post certain things or what you like or what you side with facebook and other social media they're going to feed you that kind of information mm-hmm. right so you may be listening but you're only listening to one side or you're only listening to what you agree with you're not listening to any kind of opposition or you're not even mm-hmm. open to the idea of opposition, which is why listening is probably the most important thing because like, right. If you're trying to avoid extremes, right. You listen to what the other side has to Mm -hmm. say. You actually listen to what the other side has to say. Spoiler, what we're going to talk about next. If you're going to be empathetic, (laughs) right. You've got to listen, right. In order to have empathy for somebody in someone else's situation, you've got to know what their situation is. And the only way to know it is to listen to what the situation Mm -hmm. is. You've got to be willing to hear it. So keep your friends close keep your enemies closer so you can listen to them yeah or those you disagree with not really enemies or love your enemies the other way so to make peace listen to each other that's a really important aspect of peacemaking as charlie already spoiled our next point (laughs) is to be empathetic uh i thought this this is really important especially with this past week if you haven't heard that's fine, but uh, a te- Texas passed a very controversial heartbeat law into um, in their in, oh sorry into their state. So I'm a pro life individual. I believe naturally. So I talked about Genesis one earlier and how every human is worthy of dignity and respect. And I believe that that child in the womb is worthy of respect, dignity, and honor. Absolutely. But I believe also that the mother is worthy of respect, dignity, and honor, too. So I can be against killing babies, but also if you disregard the mother and the child after they're born, um, I think that's not being empathetic. And I think that feeds into this, you're pro-forcing women to give birth, but you don't actually care about the child. Overall, statistically, when it comes to how Christians act in these situations, it's untrue. It's patently untrue that they're that Christians are the ones who foster the most, they adopt the most, all that type of stuff. That is that statistically true. But you have to be careful in your rhetoric in these situation, in these situations that you are being empathetic to the plight of the other side. 
Um, you don't know who's had an abortion on your Facebook feed or even in your congregation. Mm. So if someone in your church has had one, imagine how demeaned they would feel if all of your rhetoric, rhetoric is completely rude and unkind to them. Because perhaps they still regret it and they're struggling through it and they're doing it alone because they're the only ones who know. The only place a person can find peace is in Jesus. And are you going to be a bringer of peace or are you going to be a bringer of pain? You're going to be one of either of those things. So if someone goes through a situation at your congregation, perhaps they get pregnant and they don't have other sources of help. That should be some a way that you can actively serve them, that the congregation can actually like actively serve them. Um, and that's just something for us to consider. There's a lot of different positions. There's a lot of different places people are coming from. To be in these situations is really difficult. So we need to be focused on empathy. And that is a way to create peace, is that we are empathetic towards the plight of other people. For sure. So. This is probably the one that I struggle the most with, I think, out of these. Like, it's just this year inside of, like, empathy and just mm-hmm. understanding. And it's not, like, it's not just understanding. Like, it's feeling. Like, you're, you, like you, you, you try to take on the feeling of that person mm-hmm. and how they actually feel inside. Um, and that's really difficult for me sometimes in certain situations to really understand why someone disagrees with me, especially depending on the topic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that I really have had to work on a lot in my life for sure is to, to be a little bit more open. And my wife has helped me with that tremendously, uh, and being a bit more understanding about things and being a little less cynical in life, um, in general, but, um, I think that it is just so extremely important. And I think this is probably the one that uh, I think people struggle with the most. If you look mm-hmm. at social media and stuff like that, it's just a lack of understanding of the other person's opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, be careful, be careful what you say. Um, be careful what you post. Um, really, really try to understand the other side, because if you're not empathetic towards people of, of an opposing opinion, then all you're going to do is push them further away mm-hmm. from you. Uh, and I think you brought up an excellent point of like, you don't know, you know, what other people around you are struggling with, right? You don't know other people in your congregation when you post something that's like super anti like abortion or anti LGBTQ, right? You don't know what people within your own congregation are struggling with. And the last thing that you want to do is to be extremely hateful towards someone with an opposing opinion, when there may be someone who sits next to you in church with that opposing opinion or maybe struggling with that opposing opinion. Mm-hmm. And all you do is force them further away. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people look at the church and see like the hypocrisy in it too, is because we're supposed to be loving. We're supposed to be, um, you know, these Christ-like people. But in the reality situation is, is we're not loving. We don't love other people. We don't mm-hmm. listen to what other people have to say. Um, we're very one-sided. Yeah. So. So we can not approve of people's lifestyles and behaviors, but if we are not going out of our way to serve them and be kind to them and be loving to them, we're hypocrites. We're not living how the gospel has called us to be. I absolutely agree with your point. Empathy. It's tough. Empathy is very tough. Um, But it's important. C.S. Lewis's advice on on that is, though, just act as if you did, and then you'll find yourself coming to a point where you are. Okay. First, fourth, uh, fourth point is to pray before, during, and after conversations or interactions. Um, and I think like there are situations that 
perhaps you know that when you you need to go talk to somebody and this is going to be a little bit of a tense situation if you don't go into that situation praying to the god of the universe to give you peace and help you to make peace in the situation what are you doing um i've been in that position before a lot of times where i'm stressing over this thing and then i'm like oh i should probably pray about it and it feels much better right after um so we have to take into consideration the one who said i will be your peace so we need to be reaching out to him um and i think this also goes without saying that before every facebook comment you should do that um as well is this going to encourage someone? Is this going to strengthen them? Is this going to help someone grow closer to Christ? If that is not my goal when I speak, if that is not my goal when I post, then I don't think it's worth posting. So we need to seek to glorify God and we need to seek to ask for his help when we are going through situations. Because the reality is people are frustrating and people can be annoying. But when we read over Matthew 5, blessed are the peacemakers, it doesn't say blessed are the peacemakers only when people aren't annoying. So we have to go out of our way and strive to be that no matter what situation we're in. Yeah, when I think about this idea of like praying before, like I think about uh, Nehemiah kind of, kind of comes to mind like mm-hmm. at the beginning um, when he was a cupbearer to the king uh, and he knew what he needed to do because he was called to go and help his people. Uh, and we see that before he, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 2, um, in verse four, it says, the king said to me, what are you requesting? It says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. And then I said to the king, mm-hmm. um, like, that's like the first thing he does. Like he knows what he needs to tell the king and he's really like scared about it. And he's really worried about it. And so like the, right before he, like literally in between the king's question and his response, he prays, um, before that to give him strength and to give him help as he makes his request. Mm-hmm. And it works out really well for him. So yeah i think that's that's so key i like I, I just don't understand how i have failed this aspect of my life so much where god has given me this automatic line to him that when i'm stressed and when i'm struggling or when i'm about to say something completely rude i don't even consider that's the first place i should be looking yeah so just as nehemiah looked that way first that's a place we need to go as well yeah and for our fifth and final application for this week, um, I have on my script, insert your name here is dead. Uh, so for me, naturally, that means Alexander is dead. Now, however you would react in a given situ- situation, whether it be a stressful one or a not stressful one or whatever else, that's not how you react anymore because Christ lives in you. Uh, I've been reading through Mere Christianity recently. I really love that book. If you haven't read it, again, highly recommend. Uh, But C.S. Lewis calls it the Christ life. He uses that a lot. And I really love that. What does the Christ life in you do? What does the Christ life in you react to? Does it react in a place that drives you towards peace or towards more chaos and dissension and all that other stuff? Because if it's leading you that way, that's not Christ's life. That's yours. That's the life that you've supposed to have put to death Mm -hmm. so since this life no longer belongs to you you don't react the same way that you would you react how christ would so everything that you're going to be doing and striving to be is to make peace in a situation um you're going to make the best effort that doesn't always mean that's going to work out i don't i don't think this is a magical solution that everything if you use these five things then you're magic going to have peace everywhere you go 
because Jesus didn't <laughs> as the Prince of Peace. But our goal is to act how Christ would act, no matter how that means other people will take it. So how you how acting how Christ would act is the goal. That's what it means to be a part of the Christ life. So we need to take that seriously and we need to be actively peace makers, reminding ourselves that it's not me who lives anymore. And Jesus gives us a lot of examples about this because Jesus did not like he stirred up there 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 was a lot of issues that were that were stirred up because of him, specifically like with people of the opposing opinion, like the Pharisees. Mm. And we see Jesus dealing with the Pharisees a lot. We have a lot of examples with how Jesus dealt with people who disagreed with what he was teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's like one of these topics that we really can get a really good example from Christ, like a, a practical example from Christ as to really how to handle those situations, right? Mm-hmm. We can look at exactly how Jesus formulated his responses, how he treated them, uh, how he talked with them, and that's exactly how we should be with people who maybe disagree and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And dealing with people who maybe don't think like we do. For sure. So, yeah. I'll put that in there with the caveat that if you just go around calling people a brood of vipers, <laughs> yeah. um, that's her. you don't have the same heart as Jesus. So, so I would highly recommend you at least consider what's going on. Right. And if you're going to do that, do it to people who are being hypocritical um, like at your congregation, right? Right. (laughs) We also see him with examples of people like, you know, the tax collectors and the sinners, right? Mm -hmm. Again, people who, you know, weren't necessarily the most God-like people that were there that would have not exactly lived like he lived. And what did he do with them? Well, he sat down, ate a dinner, ate ate meals with them, Mm -hmm. uh, and had a fellowship with them and talked with them and understood with them as well. So we also see that side of it too, and how he dealt with those types of people. So, mm-hmm. so if you're not willing to take on the characteristics of Christ and go forward, then the Christian life is not for you. The <laughs> peacemaking life is not for you. So, and th- again, this is a place that Charlie and I are working on and striving to be because gossip is easy. Ah, easy. Wow, gossip is easy. Anger is easy. Division is easy being peacemakers is difficult but that's what Mm -hmm. christ has called us to so that's what we got to do right so this is a podcast i hope that challenged you uh it challenged me a lot studying and preparing for this one um but again thank you guys for all the listens really appreciate it and we hope that you will be more empathetic more peaceful people as you go through your week anything else to say as we sign off charlie that's it all righty appreciate y'all we hope you have a blessed one see you next week